0: all right hey the king is here the christmas season is here hope is here and i'm really glad you're here i really am it's good to have you here today we are heading into the christmas celebration and it's upon us and we've been in this god with us series this is week three and we've been hitting god with us in the valley and god with us in the wilderness and Today, we're hitting God with us in the storm. We're anchoring all of these uh, messages, including next week's, on the simple statement of prophecy after it was revealed to Mary that she was, even as a virgin, going to give birth to a child. Here is the statement from Matthew, looking and quoting from Isaiah. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us, Matthew 1, 23. So we're going from that concept that God is with us into all these different areas where it doesn't always feel like God is with us. And to learn that that doesn't mean that he's not with us and kind of being encouraged by that. So here's a little bit of review in three lines. We enjoy Him on the mountaintops. We get to know Him in the valleys. We are trained by Him in the wilderness. And so that's where we've been so far together. And today we're going to be looking at this as our focus. We experience peace from Him in the difficult times that blow up out of nowhere And so, there's a little difference between wilderness, which is kind of long and enduring, that experience, and storm, which seems like it's sudden and quick and very difficult, blowing up out of nowhere. And so, I don't know who it was back in the early 50s that started the practice of naming storms after women. But later on, uh, equal, equal rights for storms sh- shifted all of that, um, where we have men's names for storms as well. I wonder if that's when the weather bureau that uh, were naming storms started to include women as well. I don't know. But in the 50s and then for a number of decades, it was just ladies' names. Now, we're not really going there. We're going with storms often have a name. And each one of us have probably experienced storms and we could probably put a name to it. It might be a, a person's name. Don't do that right now. <clears throat> <You> know. <laughs> it, it might be more like, oh yeah, man, when I went through divorce, wow, what a storm that was. Or when I experienced that news of cancer, what a storm that was that was or there's all kinds of storms and we feel maybe it's when that person that i trusted so much stabbed me in the back that sense of betrayal and the huge pain that i felt maybe that was your storm maybe it was just hitting something and then you just can't even name anything except now there's depression and depression itself just hit me and that is the storm there's so many names we could place on it but each one of us have probably experienced a storm what I want to do right now is take us back to the 1800s now I say that in advance because the storm I'm about to describe in a person's life uh, was depicted in a movie and This kind of thing happened in the 1800s. I can't imagine it happening in our current culture. It would be very rare uh, for something like this to happen. But this uh, was described in an older movie called Love Comes Softly. In that story, a young woman on her way to a new life out west in the 1800s suddenly finds herself to be a widow. On the day that her husband is buried, she is approached by Somebody else that's going west with the party uh, who happens to be a widower. And on that day, he proposes marriage, more of an arrangement to protect each other rather than uh, having uh, a sense of intimacy. So this arrangement gives shelter and provision for the young widow for the harsh winter ahead, while she, in exchange, provides a motherly influence for the widower's young daughter. Over time, the widow, who is now a bride, finds that her husband is a man of faith. She didn't know that until time passes. He reads his Bible. He spends time with God alone each day. In one scene... Her husband stands among the charred remains of his barn that has just burned to the ground. His wife, who is herself still grieving the loss of her husband, is rather distant from this husband. Their relationship is awkward and strained in distant separate rooms, just kind of arranged to take care of his daughter kind of thing. But she's moved by this man's reaction to this storm in his life and her life. But she doesn't know what to make of him yet. So she hands him a cup of coffee, and she asks, What are you going to do? He answers, Neighbors have offered to collect some logs and raise a new barn. Ben said he'd take care of the milk cow, feed her in exchange for some milk, till I get my feed built back up. I think it's going to be fine. I pretty much got it worked out, and just keep praying for the answers." Why do you think he'll answer your prayers? She questions. He always answers my prayers, he replies. Really? She responds sharply. Did you pray for this? Did you pray to have your wife taken away from you? Did you pray that your little girl would grow up never knowing her real mother? I just don't understand why the God that you pray to would let such unthinkable things happen to decent people. The patient husband takes her by the hand and says would you come with me where are we going she asks we're going to church what's strange about that comment is they live out in the middle of nowhere they're nowhere near a village she's confused by what he's saying and he takes her to the place that he meets with god every morning He tries to explain by talking about his little girl, Missy, whom this woman has become quite fond of. And he says, Missy could fall down and hurt herself, even if I were right there beside her. That doesn't mean I caused it. But she knows with her father's unconditional love, I'll pick her up and carry her. I'll try to heal her. I'll cry when she cries. And I'll rejoice when she is well. In all the moments of life, God has been right there beside me. The truth of God's love is not that he is making bad things happen. The truth is that he promises that he'll be there with us when they do. Isn't it interesting that every one of us, and we've probably experienced this because we've all each experienced a storm of our own in the past already, isn't it interesting that storms come out of nowhere and the first thing we want to do is throw questions at God. Why are you allowing this? What has happened? We kind of put blame and fault in his direction and we are confused by it all. And yet what we're discovering in this series is that he's there for us even in the valley. He's there for us even in the wilderness. And now we're looking at how he's there for us even in the middle of the storm. Right about now would be a good time to pull out your outline if you're using an outline and pull out your pencil if you want to write a blank and fill it in. Here's the point. Never, never, never. Let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Now, I don't know if you believe that that's worth noting yet, but I'm hoping that by the time we're done, you'll begin to think that maybe I should look to God and quit blaming him while I'm experiencing this storm. Because he is with us, even in the storm. We're going to be looking at a lengthy passage of scripture in the book of Acts, chapter 27. We're going to be looking at a storm story. It's a real storm story with a really large ship that Paul was traveling on. It's even hard for us to imagine a ship in ancient days this large. 276 passengers were on this ship. We always think of small sailing vessels in the ancient times, but there's history shows. There were very large sailing vessels. This was one of them, and there are many larger still. And in the scene, here's what we read. Now, we're jumping into the middle of the story. We're not going to cover all the the story of the storm. And so I encourage you to read all of chapter 27. It's quite dramatic, quite detailed. And we're just catching some pieces of it. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Now, I want you to imagine yourself in that ship. Everything's gone bad for a really, really long time. The storm is not abating. It just continues to rage. Everything's going wrong, and it's looking like there's no hope. In fact, we finally gave up hope at all of being saved. So they're thinking that they're going down. This is it. They'll never survive it. So let me just probe a little bit here. Have you ever been there where you think... My marriage won't survive. It is going down. That's a storm. And you finally got to the place where you've lost hope. That's a storm. Maybe you think something completely opposite. I will never get married. I'm going to remain single all my life long. You just had another devastating, heart-wrenching storm. I'm always going to be alone. Maybe you're going to think, Or you have thought I can never overcome now this insurmountable debt is just tilted beyond the possibility of my income servicing this debt and I will never survive all hope is lost or maybe you've had the devastation where you start to think I will never ever be able to have a baby these are storms and they're very real Depending on what stage of life you're at, it could be, I don't know if I'll ever graduate. And those are frightening thoughts as one devastation after another start to add up. Or I don't know if I'll ever, ever be anything but depressed. These are horrible things that people get to after pounding, pounding, pounding storms. and. The temptation is to throw accusation at God and think that he has abandoned you and he has left you and there you are and it's very, very difficult. So this is where Paul is with 276 others on a ship that's going down and they're all losing hope. We're going to jump to verse 21, the next verse. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. Now, I know in our culture what that sounds like. It sounds like, I told you so. In their culture, I don't think they have, this, they have the same stigma that we do with the I told you so kind of thought. God's going to actually use Paul in this situation where the whole crew begin to look to Paul for leadership when he's not a leader of the boat and this is part of the turning point in Paul's scenario but maybe you've been there because here's the point not every storm comes out of the middle of nowhere surprise Paul had sailed enough times and was traveled so well that he knew better than the captain what should be done. And he said, we need to pull into a harbor because the season is late. And I can tell this is going to be disastrous. But the captain said, no, we got too much cargo. We can't wait it out. We can't wait the season out. We got to go. And now here we are in the middle of a storm. Maybe you've been there. If you've been in this specific one, I'm not picking on you. I didn't know. Okay, You start dating a guy, and your mother says, oh, you, you need to break this off. You, you really don't want to date this guy. I'm not feeling good about this. You shouldn't date this guy, but you keep dating this guy. And then your best friend says, oh, you, this is bad news. You really got to break this off. And you're, you're thinking, no, I, everybody's against him. He's, he's good. He's good. And then your pastor says, you really gotta break it off with this guy. And you're thinking, nah. uh Then you go eat Chinese food, and the fortune cookie says, you need to break up with this guy. (laughs) All right? All right, so you know I'm, I'm exaggerating. I'm not really picking on anybody. I don't even know, okay? Well, let's just say then, you've got all of this stuff happening, and you keep going with this guy, and next thing you know, this guy does something that just rips your heart to shreds, and you're just dying in a pile. It's a storm like all storms. And everybody that was saying, going... How come you wouldn't listen to our advice? The point is, sometimes our storms do not come out of nowhere. Now, I don't know if you're like I am. If a storm comes out of nowhere, I kind of relegate it to this category. It's like, okay, I had no control of this. It just came up. It's just a storm. I have no control over storms. And so God, help me out here. You've allowed this thing to come into my life. Please help me out of this thing. And I look to God and look to God and look to God. Okay, that's one kind of storm. And... I can kind of look to God for those. But then there's those other ones where it's like, oh, crud. This storm is, I'm reaping what I've sown. This is my bad decision. And I've created this storm. And It's like, how great is my confidence now that God is going to get me out of this storm? Do you realize that I look at this storm a lot differently than I look at this storm? Maybe you're like that too. It's like, oh, man, this storm is the mess that I created. And I'm sort of like too embarrassed or too... Lack of faith confidence, it's like, okay, so how long is this going to last? This is, this is, you're not going to get me out of this, are you? That's kind of how I look at it. It's like, wait a minute, is that how, what Jesus is like? God is with us. He's waiting for us to turn and say, okay, draw near to me. I know I, this is me. I blew it, but I need you. He's just waiting for that. It doesn't mean he's going to go, you're right, you did it, you're on your own. That is not the Jesus I know. He is a God who comes to our broken world, comes to us while we are sinners, dies for us while we are still sinners. He's right there for us. And we can turn and ask him right now, even if we caused our own storm. That's really kind of encouraging to me. Did you know that there are other kinds of storms? Have you ever been in a storm that you had nothing to do with? but somebody else caused your storm? How much is their sin going to cost me? That's a tough one. But it's a reality. Not every storm do we cause ourselves, or not every storm does, does it happen as like an act of God. Some storms, as an act of Joe. Or Susan. If I picked your name, sorry. It's just generic. And we are hurt by somebody else's actions. On the boat, they are now in a storm, and there's various reactions. Some people are reacting, God has done this, we're all going to die. Some people are reacting, the captain has done this, I can't believe he didn't listen to Paul. Paul is reacting, I can't believe he didn't listen to me either. There's different ways of looking at this, and they're all coming at the same storm from a different space. A different way of evaluating what has just taken place. But the point we're going to see is God is with us. So, if the storm is your fault, turn to God. He's still with you. If the storm is not your fault, turn to God. He'll walk with you. If the storm is an act of God, turn to God. He'll walk with you. If the storm is not an act of God, ooh, now, there's an interesting one. We'll talk about that in a moment. In Acts 27, 22 through 23, we read, But now I urge you to keep up your courage, because now, because not one of you will be lost, only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. Now, that would have been Something. Okay, I don't know where you're coming from. Um, you don't need to raise your hands. I believe in angels. I believe angels are real. I've never seen one that I know of. I might have seen one, an entertaining angel, without being aware that I have. Hebrew says that happens. But uh, I believe there are angels on stage with me right now. Hey, this bump. Okay, you notice, you notice I was reaching up. Because in, in my mind, I'm thinking they're bigger than me. All right? They're real. I, in fact, every day I pray that God would send as many angels as we need to do battle that we need to see take place, because I also believe that there are fallen angels that we call demons, and we're in a fallen world, in a world that's embroiled in battle, in rebellion, and darkness and clash, and angels are real. So, Paul is in the middle of a situation, and God sends an angel to encourage him and for whatever reason in this case his eyes are open to seeing a realm that we normally cannot see now i don't know if that freaks you out or encourages you it encourages me to know that these things that i read in the bible they're real and i've talked to people who've had visionary experiences who say yep i've met one i haven't but i read the bible and i believe angels are real Now here's a weird one. We usually think of storms as an act of God. In fact, your insurance usually does too. And um, when they come... There was one occasion where Jesus was in a boat, a smaller boat now, not this large ship, but a smaller boat with just his disciples, and most of his disciples were really good fishermen, used to being in that space, in the boat, and managing the boat, and managing that lake, and managing everything, and in this particular case, they were freaked out because they thought they were going to die. This storm was that bad. Jesus gets up and says, what are you afraid of? I'm thinking, interesting question. They, these fishermen who've never been in a storm this bad think they're going to die. And they're, I mean, the logical answer is we're going to die. That's what I'm afraid of. And Jesus is looking at it in a completely different way. He says, what are you afraid of? Now, the interesting thing to me in the Gospels records that Jesus rebukes the storm. Now, one of the Gospels literally uses the word rebukes. Now, if a chair trips you, do you turn and rebuke it? All right. oh i rebuke you chair you are such a stupid chair i can't believe you did wait it's an inanimate object and i usually think of storms as inanimate non-life it's just stuff of the universe right but jesus is rebuking the storm because not every so-called earthquake act of god is from god Sometimes we're in a fallen world and these disasters are actually stirred up by the rebel and all his rebel spirits who are involved. Jesus says, I rebuke the storm, peace, be calm. And this raging storm that's freaking out these professionals, now it says they're really scared because the storm just goes Silence. The wind stops. The waves stop. It's deathly calm. And they're freaked out not by the storm, but they're freaked out by Jesus. Who is this guy? And here's some statements I want us to take away from that. Sometimes Jesus calms the storm like that. I rebuke this thing. Peace, be still. Sometimes Jesus calms you. And he doesn't take the storm away. He calms you while in the storm. Peace is not the absence of the storm. Peace is found in the presence of Jesus. So the question is, is Jesus in your boat? When Jesus says, why are you so afraid? Because there's a death storm and it's going to kill us all. But he's thinking, wait, but I'm in your boat and how jesus looks at it is his mission is not over yet no matter what the enemy's trying to do he's not going to be able to do it this isn't the time and he's still carrying forward his kingdom what are you afraid of i'm in your boat that is really a powerful sentiment later on of course in reflecting back Jesus conquers death. Jesus conquers sin. We become so afraid in our storms. And he says, why are you so afraid? I'm right here. Oh, yeah. And if Jesus is in your boat, it doesn't matter what is raging in the storm around you. You're okay. So let's go back to Paul's sinking ship. Last night, an angel, the God to whom I belong, and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. Now, I think that's the weirdest encouragement ever. Don't worry, Paul. I know this, this storm is really, really bad, but you're not going down because I've got another storm for you. That's what the angel is saying. I'm, i I, you're going to make it through this one. There's another one coming where you've got to face Caesar. But it sort of encouraged me. Oh, okay, so I'm not dying here. I got this other, you've got a purpose for me. So here's a statement that I just want you to consider. You can't go down in this battle. You have another battle to fight. You're in a storm right now. This storm right now, God did not, allow it to happen or you didn't make it happen so that you will be taken down God is going to take this and allow you to win some battle in the future with what you're learning right now why are you so afraid I'm here with you right now so here's another statement as he's basically saying I'm not finished with you yet here we have the statement God will use what you learn in this storm to help someone else through theirs so, the storm is horrible. You get the news. Diagnosis. You have cancer. Storm. All right. Now, this can go one of two ways, or maybe a number of others, but let's just go one of two ways. This could take you down to your death, but Jesus is with you. He's conquered death. How you respond to this helps you with somebody else that faces this storm. Let's say you defeat it. You're able to fight it. You come through it. Coming through it, you're able to give hope and encouragement to somebody else when they are devastated by that storm. Jesus walked me through this. He'll walk you through this too. And you can say it confidently because either way, what are you afraid of? I have conquered death. I am right here with you. And the storm, in the middle of it, you can experience peace as you turn to Jesus you've overcome unfaithfulness in your marriage. Or there was unfaithfulness in your marriage and it overcame you and your marriage is dissolution. However, if you're walking with Jesus through this whole process, now you've come through the storm and you meet somebody else in the middle of the storm that you know what it's like to experience. You're able to say, you know what? Jesus will walk with you. He walked with me. I'm doing okay. Maybe you're on the side where not only am I doing okay, we actually worked it out. Forgiveness actually carried the day. Our marriage is better now than it ever was before. Hope comes with Jesus, And now you have another storm to address. It's the friend storm that's experienced what you've been through, and what Jesus came through. You're 178 days sober. You thought you'd never get to that number. You thought your life was over. Your addiction brought you down to ruins. You had nothing ahead of you and now you're through the storm and it was Jesus who made all the difference. He walked you through. Your friend, maybe it's just an acquaintance, is at that place you know what it feels like. It's over. I have no life left. And you say, no. He brought me through. You can be brought through too. So sometimes... Those storms are redeemed for your next storm. Point number two. Faith is not in what I see. Faith is in what God says. Here's what we read in verse 25, Acts 27. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. They're looking to this Paul in the middle of the storm, who's a nobody, he's a prisoner, and yet he knew there was a storm. He, now he's saying, I experienced God and his angel. Here's what he said, none of us are going down. In fact, they believe him so much. When the crew starts abandoning his ship and going to take a boat away from the ship, the rest of them stop him. No, Paul says the only way we're going to all be saved is if we all stay together and they listen to Paul. Because God said Something. And everything that God has ever spoken has come true or will come true. So in your storm, go to God. Maybe it's a storm that you caused. God, I blew it. I'm confessing my sin to you right now. I need you. Would you enter my boat? I've been doing this alone. I've been steering away from you. I've been running from you. Come into my boat. Take over. I don't know my way back. Help me. Be my Savior. Have him enter your boat. Then what he says will be true of you. Safe harbor is ahead because Jesus pioneered the way. We're going to finish with this prayer. I want you to look at this prayer. Consider this prayer. If it's something you'd like to pray, we're going to all declare it as a faith statement, asking Jesus to navigate our lives. Maybe you're not sure about any of this yet. Maybe you're thinking, ah, it sounds too good to be true. What if it's true? Would you just test the reality of truth and ask God to navigate your life? See if what he says he'll deliver. Let's pray this prayer. Ready? Dear God, I have doubted you in storms. Thank you for never leaving me. You are what I need. You are my safety. You are my strength. You are my comfort. You are my source. You are my provider, my savior, and my sustainer. You are right here, and I find peace in your presence. I worship you and trust you and I know I can pray this because of Jesus and his powerful name, Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Yours truly, amen. If you're in a storm right now, I want you to seriously start to open the pages of Scripture and begin to look at, if you don't know where to go, start in the biographies of Jesus. Listen to Jesus. Just get to know Jesus. Start looking to see what he's saying because he is Emmanuel. He came for us. He entered our world. He wants to enter our boat. He wants to be with us and see what he has to say, see if it's trustworthy, and take steps based on what he says. Maybe you're devastated right now, and all this is blah, 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 blah. It's just words, and you just need hope. There's a prayer team that'd be happy to pray for you. You just say, I need prayer. You don't have to say a thing. They'll pray for you. If you want to give them details, they can pray a little bit more detailed, okay? Next week, can't wait to see you. <laughs> we're going to ramp up for the Christmas celebration together. All of this comes together with the concept, God is with us always. And we're going to try to see the whole thing together in a powerful way as we celebrate Christmas together. So God bless you. Have a Merry Christmas. Get prayer. Look to the scriptures. Look to Jesus. Walk with him. And you're going to experience more peace. Merry Christmas.